brand new series we're starting this week. Basically, this morning, we're going to be answering a question. Uh, we'll be answering a question for the next three weeks after today as well. And here's today's question we're going to be hitting. So, question comes in. It says, I, I, I have been told there's a list of sins that uh, would maybe cause God to run away from me or make, maybe make me lose my salvation. Can you tell me what that list is? Because I want to avoid those things. So we're going to answer that question today. Um, some of these things we've learned from one of my mentors. And, uh, you know, as I learned this, it just for me was so eye-opening that I want to pass this on to you. So maybe you have a child uh, as you think about your relationships, a family member that maybe has gone away from God, and maybe at some point in their life they had given themselves to God, they believed, um, became a Christian, or were saved. There's so many different words we can use for that. But maybe that happened when they were younger, and something went wrong maybe as they grew up, and, and maybe they ran away from God. And you're thinking about them wondering, how, you know, I, I need to know, how, how are they with God? What's going to happen? Or maybe you have a family member who did that, but when they were running, as they were running, maybe during that experience at some point, they died. And so they died in a state where they were running away from God. And you may be saying, what has happened there? I need to know. Perhaps for you, maybe there's something in your life that kind of has a hold of you. Maybe some kind of sin or maybe an addiction or a habit that kind of has its hands on you and it's gripped you. And maybe you pray and you say, God, I need you to save me. Will you take this away? And maybe at times it gets better and you find yourself having some freedom. But then maybe life happens and you find yourself trapped again. And then you say to yourself, if I really were a Christian, I, I wouldn't be struggling with this. Maybe, maybe mine didn't stick. Maybe I'm not really saved. And then perhaps you hear a preacher who might preach something and say if you're, and he might confirm your feelings and, and might say something like if you are struggling with this, there's no way you can be saved. You wonder, did I lose it? Did something go wrong? Maybe you grew up in a church that just simply said you cannot be involved in certain things and if you are, then you can't be saved. And maybe that's left you in a constant state of, am I in with God or am I out with God? You know perhaps that salvation is not something you earn, but maybe once you've had it, then you feel like there's something that has to happen for me to keep it. And so that leaves you in this place where you leave God's relationship and you move to God's scale and you constantly are wondering, where am I on the scale have I done enough good things to make up for the bad things that I've done? And so you don't really operate from a standpoint of love anymore. It's really a standpoint of fear and of keeping score. You see, you've been given a standard or a list. Some things where people say, these things are okay. They're still wrong, but they're okay. God will still forgive these, but if you do this over here, and many times on this list, it's like sexual sins, like adultery and other things. Over here is like speeding, 
And that's okay. God will overlook that. But over here, if you get into these sins, then they say there's no hope. Many people are dealing with that question. The question of what sins will cause me to lose my salvation. Let me give you a quick answer for that. God does not give us that kind of list. If you see that list or you hear someone talking about that list, it's a man-made list. So then that leaves the question, well, then how do I know if I'm in or if I'm out with God? I think that's the question that most people deal with. Now, there's a couple of ways to answer that question. One way would be for us to take all the passages, the verses in Scripture that talk about how God, when he saves you, um, it's for life, it's forever. And then we could take, and we could deal with those and talk about those. And then we could take, (coughs) excuse me, you're going to get a few of those today. Then we could take this other list on this other side where (coughs) where God seems to be saying, (coughs) in scripture that that you have salvation but if you don't do certain things you could lose it and and there, we could take these verses and we could see what they say and what they mean and we could analyze all those verses and then we could come up with a solution but here's the thing for most people that's not their struggle they haven't located a verse in the bible that is causing them some problems and anxiety and they're trying to figure it out but if that is you by chance then i want to recommend a book for you there's a book it's called eternal security and it's by a guy named Charles Stanley. And I would encourage you, you could order it on Amazon and have it to your house in just a couple of days. Eternal Security by Andy Stanley, I mean by Charles Stanley. And here's what he does. He takes those verses, all the verses in the Bible that talk about your salvation. And he breaks them down verse by verse and what they mean to explain what the Bible is saying. And that would be, if that is your struggle, if you have a specific verse that you're struggling over, that's the book for you to get to, to, to read and to learn. But I find for most people, that's not the struggle. They're not struggling over a specific verse. Most people are struggling over a feeling, the feeling that maybe they are out with God. That maybe something has happened, they have done something, or, or life has just changed and caused them to be on the outs with God. At one time they felt in with God, but now they're feeling out. And so we want to talk this morning about those feelings. We want to address those feelings of, of what does God say about us being in with him or out with them, and how does that work and how does it happen Most people have a question here about salvation, and the problem is them understanding what salvation really is. Perhaps they pray, and they pray over again, and they pray again, and again, and again, God, save me. I need you to save me. And maybe it's not every day or every week. Maybe it's once a month or a couple times a year after a weekend that was really bad and they're hung over or after they've messed up and made some really bad decisions. And then they feel like that I must have lost it. I must have messed up. I must have lost my salvation. 
And the problem really is not understanding a specific verse. The problem really is understanding how do I deal with these feelings and what does the Bible have to say about that? And so this morning, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to address that. And the Bible does that really well in the book of Ephesians, where we're going to spend our morning together. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul is speaking here, and he talks about at the very beginning of Ephesians how awful the people have been in their past. So many mistakes, so many things they've done wrong. And then he picks it up with this, chapter 2, verse 4. He says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. Now, according to this verse, I'm going to need your help this morning. According to this verse, why did God give us this mercy? There's one word I'm looking for there. Because he what? He loved us. That's why. Do you know why God saves you? It's because of love. The process of salvation begins with the very heart of God. Because he loves you. The reason you are saved is because of his love. Not because of something we have done. The reason we're saved is because of his love. It all starts with his love. Salvation all comes back to that. It all begins. It all starts with his love. A great loving God so rich in mercy. Not just a little mercy that he holds on to for some people who can live some really good lives. No. He is rich in mercy enough for everyone even enough for me, enough for you. He goes on in verse 5, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Then he gives us this parenthetical thought here. I love this. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. That parenthetical thought that seems to be just tagged on here to the end, is the most important verse in this whole day. It summarizes everything we're talking about today. That is the summary statement. By God's grace, you've been saved. Because of His grace, you've been saved. Paul says you were dead. But because of his love, his mercy, his grace, he reached out to you. Because of grace, we are saved. So let me ask you this question. The answer is because of grace. Why are you saved? Because of grace. Why are you saved? Because of what? Grace. Because of grace. Now, Paul begins to ramble just a little bit, and then he comes back onto topic a couple verses down in verse 8. Listen to what he says. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Now, this is the point where confusion steps in. Your understanding of this right here, this one phrase, your understanding of it is where 
confusion can come in and it causes us to pray over and over and over again. God, will you save me? God, please save me. God, please save me. Our confusion about this. You are saved because of God's grace. But you are saved when you believe. Listen to that verse again. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You're saved because of what? Grace. Say that one more time. You're saved because of grace. When you believe. You're saved because of grace when you believe. The point at which you are saved when you believe. But the reason you're saved is grace. So here we go again. Why are you saved? Because of grace. How are you saved when you believe? Okay. Belief is not the reason you're saved. Belief is the means by which you reach out and take that gift from God. You're saved because of God's grace. Why are you saved? Because of God's grace. God just wanted to save you. When are you saved? When you believe. Belief is how you reach out and you take that. It's when, it's when you are saved. It's not the thing that sustains or maintains your salvation. You were saved in the first place because of God's amazing grace. And the way that you reached out and you took that from God was when you believed. And we use these words interchangeably, belief and trust and faith. But they don't, they don't maintain your salvation. And they don't sustain it. It is simply your belief, your trust, your faith. That's you simply reaching out and taking hold of it. So let me help you understand. If I were to ask you, why are you in this theater today? Um, no one would say, well, because of 22nd Street. Or they wouldn't say, well, because of my Ford. They wouldn't say that. I, I'm not here because of my car. That's not why you're here. That's just the means by which you got here. Do you see the difference? It's an important difference. That means... That's not why you're here. You're not here because of 22nd Street, and you're not here because of your car. The reason you are here in this theater is because you want to be here. If I ask you, why are you here? You are here because you want to be here. And the reason why you are a Christian or the reason why you're saved is because God in his love and mercy and grace wants you to be with him. That's the reason you're saved. The street, the car, that's just how you got here. That's not the reason you're here. And that's where all this confusion seems to come from. It's confusing 
because we have a tendency to switch these two things. Here's what we do. We begin thinking that the reason we are saved is because of our faith. The reason, we begin thinking the reason we're saved is because of our belief. But that's not the case. The reason, Paul tells us in Ephesians, the reason we're saved, we're saved because of God's grace. So, our faith is when we're saved. Our belief, that is when we're saved. Now, that leads us to an obvious question. What happens when my faith is shaken? And what happens when I stop believing? We're going to get to the answer to that in just a moment. Paul makes this so clear. You are saved because of grace. You are saved when you believe. That's what Paul is saying. We have a tendency to get this backwards. We think we are saved because of our belief. But the reality, according to Paul, is we are saved because of grace. When we believe. Now he goes on. He says, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Paul says this is a gift. Here's a new way to think of this, Paul says. It's a gift. It's not because of you. It's not because of anything you have done. It is a gift because of his great grace, not because of your great belief. It's his great grace. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Paul says this is a gift that has been given to you. It's a gift. The gift of salvation. And you reach out and take it the moment you believe. That moment you believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you. That three days later he rose again. That moment you believe that that he really did that. Because he did that, he's purchased your life. That's the moment that you reach out and you take that gift. And once you take that gift, Paul is saying that gift belongs to you. It is yours. And your belief is not what saves you. It's because of God's grace that you're saved. Your belief is simply when you were saved. You reaching out. And taking that gift, that is when it becomes yours. When you believe Jesus died on the cross and three days later he rose again. Why did he die on the cross? Because we missed God's standard of holiness. And that's the moment we reach out and we take the gift. We're saved because of his grace. Not because of our belief. Our belief is simply the way we reach out. And that moment that we take it. Now, if I give you this gift, you take it, you reach out, you receive it. And that moment, it becomes yours. 
Now, what you do with it, it's your business. It, it belongs to you. You can say, I, I, I don't want it. I, I want to give it back. And I'm going to say, I'm, I'm sorry, it's yours. I, I'm not going to take it back from you. It's yours. You can set it down in the theater and you can walk off and leave it. But I'm not going to take it back. It's yours. I've given it to you. That moment you reached out and you received it, it became yours. It is sticky. I'm not going to take it back. You can't get rid of it. It's not yours because you reached out your hand. It's yours because I gave it to you. The way it becomes yours is that moment you reach out and you take it. You received it from me. That's a picture of salvation. The moment you believed, it was you reaching out and receiving this gift from God. That moment. And from that moment on, it is yours. And your faith, your belief, your trust does not maintain your possession of this. It does not sustain your possession of this gift. Your belief is not the reason you were saved. The reason you were saved is His grace. Your belief was just that moment in time that you reached out and you took it. And it became yours. You were saved because of God's grace. And it's that very same grace that maintains and sustains your salvation. So, again, why are you saved? Because of grace. Why are you saved? Because of grace. When are you saved? When you believe. Right. That's, that's when. Why are you saved? Because of grace. When are you saved? Because when we believe. Now, here's the big question. What if I quit believing? Okay, it's like this. We're meeting. We're here. Stuttgart Harvest Church is gathered in this movie, movie theater. And let's say an angry duck hunter from up north, a Yankee. He, he, booked, he booked a trip. He booked a trip, and it just so happened it just wasn't good duck hunting that week. And he's a little angry. So he comes down... And he blows up 22nd Street. Um, it's gone. And a giant piece of concrete flies through the air and lands on your Ford in the parking lot. Now, are you still here? Yes. You're still here, right? 22nd Street is gone. Something's happened. Your car... Something's happened. It's gone. But you're still here. The parking lot, your car, 22nd Street does not maintain or sustain your presence here. It's just how you got here. 
You're still here. You're still here. That's just how you got here. If both of your parents died, you're still alive, right? Because your parents, they're how you got here. They're not sustaining or maintaining your presence here. It's just how you got here. There may have been a time for your life when you genuinely believed in Jesus, that he really did die on the cross for you. And three days later, he rose again, that he purchased your life. And in that moment of belief, that moment is when you reached out and you took that gift. And God is saying, I'm not taking it back. Now, life may have happened to you. Something may have occurred that has shaken your faith and has turned your world upside down. And your belief may have waned and your belief maybe even has evaporated. But it doesn't matter because your belief and your trust and your faith is not what sustains your salvation or maintains your salvation. Paul said it is God's grace that sustains it and maintains it. The moment you believe, that's just the moment you received it and it became yours. That's why it doesn't make sense to say, well, just in case I lost it or I didn't get it, I need to pray this prayer again and then again and pray it again and again. Because salvation doesn't start with you and it doesn't come from you. It doesn't rest on you. It isn't maintained by you. It is not sustained by you. It's a gift that starts and originates from God himself, from his grace. And once you receive it, it is yours, whether you want it or not. Even if your faith is shaken to the core and disappears because you can't understand how life can be so cruel, it's still yours. Because His grace is sticky and it's not going anywhere. So then you ask, well, Harley, what about all this good stuff that I'm supposed to be doing? What about having to be good and do good and stay good? And Paul addresses that. Verse 10. Paul says, for we are God's masterpiece. Now, so far, in everything we've talked about so far, who has done all the work? God. Was it us? No. If you leave here and you go home and you build a frame, the frame doesn't stand up and say, Man, I did great. I'm a wonderful frame. No, it's yours. You did all the work. And in your life, it is not you. You are God's masterpiece. And when you are saved, the person who initiates all of this work, that's God. It's not you. And then Paul does talk about your part, though. He says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
Once we become a follower of Jesus, God goes to work in your life, rearranging and working and remaking you. And we have a reaction to that, an overflow response, a reaction. Then we begin to do some good things. We don't do good things to become a Christian. We don't do good things to stay a Christian. We do good things only because it's an overflow response of us being so grateful for what God is doing and has done in us. We are his product. He made us and he's remaking us to fulfill his purpose and his plan for our lives. And the overflow response of us doing good things, it's just us being grateful for what he's done. In all the other religions of the world, they tell you, you have to be good to earn it, and then you have to be good to keep it. But that's not what Jesus says. Salvation is given to us as a gift. And God takes the responsibility of maintaining it and sustaining it for us because we can't. We were not good enough to get it, and we will never be good enough to keep it. God does that for us. And then we are so moved because of what he has done. We are moved to do the good things that he has planned for us to do. You see, Christianity, it has never been about D-O, do. It's not about what you can do. Christianity is about D-O-N-E, done. What Jesus has already done for you. And our response is just simply being grateful because we can never be good enough for his salvation and we'll never be good enough to keep it. That is why he keeps it for us. And our response is then just grateful living. And it seems that the reason that we keep praying and asking God to save us over and over and over again when we commit a big sin or we come in with a hangover or life has just been difficult and we ran from God, the reason why we pray over and over and over again for him to save us is somehow we think that it is our good works, our belief and our faith that is maintaining and sustaining our salvation that it is our good works and our faith and our belief that is keeping our salvation. So because of that, we've come up with a phony standard. If I do all of these good things, I will be okay. I will stay saved if I do more good things than I do the bad things over here. Where did that list come from? We made it up. God didn't create you to follow the list. And we're holding God accountable to the list we have made. God says, I died for you. And we would say yes to that. Potentially when we go to heaven one day, we would say, thank you for dying for me. But look at all the good things I did on the side. 
We'd say, yes, I know I lost my faith for a little while, but look at the good things I did to make up for that. We may not like to admit it, but that's the reality of the way we live because it supports the whole idea of I have messed up, I have sinned, and I don't know where I stand with God. And it is us basically saying that salvation is because of my belief. And God says, no, that's not right. You are saved because of grace. And you simply received that gift the moment you believed. God is saying, this is, this is a gift. It, it, it is not a trade. It's not an I will if you will. It's not a contract. It's a gift. And as we grow as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, we begin to do good. Not to maintain our salvation, not to sustain it, but we do it because we realize of the greatness of the gift that God has given us. And we are so grateful. I was saved for good works, not by good works. That means when we blow it and we mess up, when no good can be found in us anywhere in that moment, it does not, it does not do anything to impact our salvation because we are not saved by those works and our good works do not maintain and do not sustain that salvation. So you say, what happens then? What, what happens when I blow it? What happens when I don't do right and I do cruddy, bad things? What does God do then? My friend, your cruddy, messy, stinky, smelly life did not put God off the first time. God knew that we were going to blow it. He knows everything. Why do you think it would put him off this time? If it didn't put him off the first time. That is why you can fall off the wagon. And it does not affect your salvation. Because you are not maintaining it. God is maintaining it. Your belief, your faith, your trust, your good works. None of that maintains or sustains your salvation. God does that. My daughter's here today. She didn't become my daughter because she started acting like my daughter. And she cannot unbecome my daughter by suddenly not acting like my daughter. She's my daughter. There's nothing that her behavior can do to change that. She's my daughter. And Jesus told us, you must be born again. Born into God's family as one of God's children by way of grace. And you can no more behave your way into God's family than you can unbehave your way out of God's family because you have been born into it. And you can't be unborn out of it. We are saved. Not by what we do, but by His love, His mercy, His incredible grace. And yes, 
you may have blown it. And yes, you may have run away from God. But if there was a time in your life when you genuinely reached out and you believed that he really did die on the cross for you. And three days later, he rose again and he has purchased your life. If there was a time you genuinely believed that, you don't need to be resaved. You simply need to drop to your knees and thank God that he did not kick you out of his family. In fact, he was waiting on you to return and thank him for his amazing grace that has sustained that gift of salvation. It was not you. Now, here's the pushback. Some of you are saying this. So, Harley, what you're saying is that once I get this salvation, I can do anything I want and still go to heaven. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And if that makes you uncomfortable, you're beginning to understand. You say, well, that's just not right. You're getting it. You say, I would never do that for anybody. Bingo. You say, I would never love anyone that much. Exactly. It is unconditional love. Amazing grace. You say, that's, that's just not fair. I know. If you are pushing back from this because you're thinking that it's not fair, because you're saying, you mean I have spent all these years doing what God expected of me and wanted me to do. And they have lived a wild, free life. And they're going to get into heaven just like me. Do you know what that means? If that's what you're saying to yourself. It means you are overestimating the goodness of your good works, and you are underestimating the filthiness of your sin. The truth is, if someone does choose to walk away from God after believing, if they choose to give into sin or give into addiction and live life for themselves, if you choose to live that way, and your life is going to be full of regret. And it will be full of life-altering scars. And one day you'll probably crawl back to Jesus. After having been beat up by your choices and your decisions. And you'll be hurting and you'll say, God, I can't believe I did that. And God is not going to kick you out. He's going to embrace you. You can't unbelieve or misbehave your way out of God's love. Do you know the only thing that keeps us from taking God's grace for granted is our love for Jesus? 
as we develop a love relationship with God, we begin to love what he loves and we begin to hate what he hates. And we begin to voluntarily drop things out of our lives and out of our lifestyles that are not his best for us. If we simply focus on our relationship with God, it will allow God to make all the changes in our thinking and in our lives if we focus on this relationship and not the fear of the list, not the fear of performance. Relationship. Relationship moves us to not take for granted and not take for selfish advantage this thing called God's grace. You can say, I don't want it anymore. I, I don't need it anymore. And your Heavenly Father will say to you, but it's yours anyway. We have a Heavenly Father who does not change His mind about your salvation. He says to you, I saved you and I loved you. My grace came after you when you were in the pit. Your belief was when you received that free gift. But your belief does not sustain it. Your belief does not maintain it. He says it is my love and my grace for you that sustains your salvation. Therefore, you can't lose it. Because I'm not taking it away. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that amazing? What is your response to that? Does it make you want to run out of here and sin? No, because you're grateful. It makes you want to know God more. And it's all out of love and not out of fear. Our bottom line today says this. You are saved because of God's grace when you believe. We were not good enough to obtain it. We are not good enough to maintain it. God does both because we can't. And this morning, perhaps for the very first time, you are realizing that you never have reached out and taken that gift. This morning you can I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And as the band makes their way to the front, I'm going to ask them to turn out the spotlight. And I just simply want to pray for you. But this morning, if you have never reached out and taken that gift, if you've never reached out and received it, if y'all will turn the spotlight out for me. If you've never reached out and taken that gift, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you believe that Jesus really did die for you and he rose again and because of that he has purchased your life and your response for the first time is for you to say, yes, you can have my life. It is you reaching out, believing, and taking that gift. This is the moment. Have you ever done that? If you never have and you're ready to do it right now, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. All right. Put your hands down. Here's all you have to do is say, God... I know you died for me in your heart. You don't even have to say it out loud. He's listening to your heart. I know you died for me. I know you rose again. You have purchased my life, and I right now am giving it to you. That is you right now reaching out 
and receiving that gift. And listen to me. He will never take it away because he has placed it now in your hands and he's not taking it back. The Bible tells us in Luke that the angels in heaven throw a party every time one person comes to him. And this morning, many have. And the angels in heaven are celebrating the fact that you have done that. You have received that gift this moment because not because of what you've done. It's because of God's grace. And he's not taking it back because his grace will hold it for you and sustain it and maintain it. Now, some of you this morning, some of you have struggled because you have felt that the decisions you've made, the things you've done, that God must have kicked you out, must have unadopted you, must have sent you out of the family because of what you've done. But I want you to know, his word says, it's not what you do that gives you the salvation. It's not what you do that maintains it or keeps it for you. He's doing that for you. If there has been a time in your life when you have genuinely said, God, I, I give you myself, and you may have had a crisis after that where you have not believed and you have fallen and you have made some horrible decisions, but at this moment you find yourself saying, I have come back. I want you to know that God did not kick you out in the meantime. He's just been waiting on you to return. And if this morning you are realizing that God has not kicked me out, He's wanted me to return, and I want to say to him, thank you for not kicking me out. Would you raise your hand? Just saying, God, thank you for not kicking me out. I'm grateful. You can put your hands down. I'm glad to call you my friend, Stuttgart Harvest Church. God didn't kick me out either, even when I think he should have. He didn't. And I am grateful. We're going to sing three songs together that are going to celebrate that fact. Would you join us in song? Let me pray for us. God, thank you that what you have done for us, you did for us. I didn't earn it. And I can't maintain it or sustain it. You're doing that for me as well. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I am ever grateful.